to tell you something that probably no other chat show host would tell you. Well, maybe Rusty Humphreys would tell you this, or maybe Bill Mick, but for the most part, none of us are going to tell you this. A little inside baseball for you, as the word goes. There's two things you got to have. There are two characteristics you must have to be a successful chat show host. You know what they are? The first is thick skin. That should be very obvious. If you don't have thick skin, boy, it's uh, this job. Will, this job will eat you up in a heartbeat. It really will. Believe me when I tell you this. Literally every person that tunes in thinks that they can do it better than you can. <laughs> and it gets it gets kind of weird sometimes. You suck. Yeah. Well, then why are you listening? You got to have thick skin. You got to be able to take what people say. Sometimes as, as it's intended, but most of the time with a grain of salt. Second thing you got to have is an ego. And this is kind of what happened to me yesterday. I got into a discussion about some things. And the reality is that to do this job, to do to sit down behind a microphone and talk requires an ego. Now, maybe you don't have a massive ego, but you have to have some level of ego in order to do this because really you're assuming when you hit record or on air or whatever, you're assuming that somebody wants to hear what you have to say. Now, all of us want to be Joe Rogan and we all want to have a gazillion listeners and we all want that. Um, but the reality of it is most shows are nowhere near that. Radio is one thing and radio numbers are always suspect. I'm just going to tell you that point blank. Radio ratings are based on Arbitron books, which best case scenario are fantasies. I mean, they really are. <laughs> the idea is here, I'll give you $5 if for three months you take this book and every time you turn on the radio, you write down what you're listening to every single time. That includes, by the way, in your car, your home, um, and since most people only listen to radio in their car, so you're supposed to do this while you're driving. And if you're like anybody else, if you're like a normal human being when you're driving, okay, don't like that. That, sh that station's going to commercials. Hit the button. Go to the next station. It's fantasy, folks. It's all it is. It's all it's ever been. But people believe that. And for the longest time, that's all they had. And so now they have these newer systems and PPM systems and people meters and of course with podcasts it's a lot different because you can download stuff hell i can tell where my listeners are if you've taken the time to fill it out on your end depending on which platform you download the show from i know where you are don't know exactly who you are in most cases but in some cases i can guess for example um i have listeners in the state of oklahoma and some of them are from norman and i'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that's my parents. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, Donna. Sister. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, I wouldn't know that. 
unless it's just uh i don't know unless you tell me like some listeners do i'm in madison wisconsin or wherever but the the egotistical part of it is required because without that ego you don't have the confidence to do what we do you have to present yourself as if you are the most listened to person in the world I mean, you have to act like that. You have to believe that in your mind or else your conversation will become very stilted and very weak. Now, in radio, that's very obvious. When you have a host or even a guest or a guest host that's weak, it's very obvious very quickly. In the world of podcasting, it's a little bit different. Um... Podcasting has opened up this venue, the communication, to anybody with a microphone and the ability to record what they're saying. And there are a myriad of ways to do that. If you'd like to know about it or if you have any interest in it, drop me an email, dave at the Dave Bowman Show.com. Don't pay, but do please don't pay somebody $500 for a podcasting course. Drop me an email first. But that said, Podcasting has opened up a lot of voices that traditionally you would never hear in a radio-type format. And for the record, I think that's great. I think that if there's an audience of one, if there's one person who wants to hear what you have to say and you have the ego to say it, by all means, say it. There is no... There's no right or wrong here when it comes to what you have to say. Now, I might disagree with you, and you might disagree with me, and that's fine, but that's where that ego comes into play. It's where that thick skin comes into play. Just because I don't listen to a show doesn't mean that I don't like the show. It doesn't mean that the show's no good. It means that in my listening choices, which are limited, just like yours are, I have chosen not to listen to that show. There are certain shows I listen to religiously. Not very many, but there are some. There are shows with whom I'm familiar, with whom uh, that I like. Joe Rogan's a great example that I almost never listen to. Not because they're not important, not because they're good, but because my listening time and my listening choices mean that I have to be somewhere else rather than doing that. If I were to tell those people those things, I know I have enough knowledge and enough experience in this to know that their reaction to that would be about what mine is. Okay. Move on. <laughs> you know, so what? But there are people out there who think that we're all a bunch of egomaniacs and the, you know, if, if we prick them, do they not bleed? You know, so I got to get them to bleed. So I'm going to pick on them and I'm going to criticize and I'm going to complain and I'm going to do this and that and, and they, they still listen they still download See, that's that's the key if you're still listening you're helping and if you're still downloading well in the podcast world that's the metric man how how, how many downloads do you have so what if somebody doesn't like it you got to take that that egotistical thick-skinned approach to it that I'm good enough to say what I have to say, 
that what I have to say is meaningful enough to someone that they'll want to hear it. The argument I got into yesterday was somebody said, it was a discussion about the outgoing president. President Trump will be the outgoing president. And this person was rather gleeful about that. And the conversation, which, which I was not actually initially part of, I was, was drawn into it. And I said something to the effect of, well, all presidents leave the office sooner or later. And the response was, yes, but this particular president, his ego is so big, he won't, he won't survive it. And I thought to myself, you know, here's someone that I need to criticize. Of course, President Trump has an ego. All politicians, I don't care if they're running for dog catcher in your local town, all the way up to President of the United States, all of them have an ego. If they didn't have a large ego, larger than normal, whatever the hell that is, they wouldn't be running for office. They have an ego that they believe means that what they have to say matters. What they have to say is important. What they want to do, they can do better than anyone else. If they didn't believe that, they wouldn't be running. Now, like him or hate him, now of course Donald Trump has an ego. He's an entertainer. He spent his whole life in the public eye. He spent his whole life having people come to him obsequiously praising him or asking him for money if they were politicians of, of Democrat stripes running for office. Of course he has an ego. What politicians tend to lack, though, is that alligator-thick skin. They handle criticism much differently, I think, than successful chat show hosts do. I'll tell you point blank. There are people who criticize my show they have from the day i went on air 2007 i still have some of the emails that i got in november december of 2007 when i was still temporary was still filling in because bill had left and no permanent replacement had been named and i some of those emails i kept them because they're motivators for me um but at least one of them I kept because the person who sent it to me was somebody that I had, up to that point, thought was a very good friend and someone whom I held in great regard. And then I get this email from them. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, the email literally said, I can't wait for you to be off the air. You're so bad that I can't even listen anymore. Now... The truth of the matter was that that person was venting. That person was, and, and this is stuff I learned later. But I kept the email, and he and I to this day still kind of giggle about that because, because after I was announced as the permanent host, and seven, eight years later when I finally left, um, he sent me another nice email saying, going to miss you. Well, you know, kind of, there are people who can criticize you that some of their criticism is valid. Much of their criticism is valid. And some of the things that he was complaining about in the first email were actually true. They were 
things that I had yet to learn. They were technical things. It wasn't that he disagreed with my opinions. He didn't like the way I did things. Well, truth of the matter is, not everybody's going to like the way everybody does things. I've been a manager and a senior leader in, in, in much of my professional life, and that's one of the things I learned really quickly was every time you go to a new assignment, a new place, you get a lot of the whole, well, that's not the way so-and-so did it. That's not the way we used to do it. Yeah, I know. I know it's not the way we used to do it, but that person isn't here anymore. And when I left those positions, I'm sure that the same thing happened to the person that replaced me in all of those positions. In fact, I know it did in at least one case, because I got calls about it. Don't you think you could tell this guy to, that's not how we do it? No, I don't work there anymore. Sorry. Nobody's going to listen to me. The difference between politicians and talk show hosts, though, is we have the thick skin where we can accept criticism that's legit and sort of reject. I, reject's a bad word. I listen to it, but I recognize it for what it is. Sometimes it's just people who want to complain. Nobody else will listen to them. That's, that's one of the beauties of, of chat shows is that, hey, this guy will listen to me or this gal will listen to me. So I'm going to complain to them, even though if I thought about it for a minute, I'd know that there's nothing they can possibly do about it. Well, and then there are politicians. Politicians have a certain developmental element in their core. It's not that they don't recognize criticism for what it is. Well, actually it is. They don't recognize it for what it is. You can't, it try, have you ever tried criticizing a politician for anything? <laughs> What's their response? Well, if you only knew what I know, if you only had my experience and my background, if you only, they don't recognize it as criticism. They see it as an attack. This is an attack upon me an attack upon everything I stand for. And, you know, no politician has ever had to put up with the attacks that I have to put up with because I'm, I'm, I have a huge ego, and that's what I truly and honestly believe, is that I'm the most picked-upon politician in history. When you and I, and even they, know that not only is that not true, it's not even, it's not even possible. But... Their ego pushes them to say that because they have to. So when Donald Trump does some of the things that he does, is it because he's an egotist or is it because he's a politician? And literally, any politician in the same position with the same ideologies and the same beliefs is going to react the same way, exactly the same way. And so why are we surprised when Donald Trump reacts a certain way. You know he has an ego because he has to have an ego. You can't be president of the United States. You can't be vice president of the United States. You can't be a senator. You can't be a congressman. You can't be a governor, a state legislator. You can't be a city councilman or woman or a sheriff or anything else that has people voting for it without having an ego. That's, it's just de facto part of the game. Maybe you're a nice guy or gal. Maybe you are. I get it. But you believed that you could do it better than someone else. Therefore, you have 
an egotistical attitude about it. Donald Trump believed that he could do it better than Hillary Clinton or any of the other Republicans. Some degree that, to the degree that he was correct about that, history or yourself will have to decide. But the fact of the matter is that they have that ego. It's part of who they are. While they don't accept the criticism, while they don't accept the, the, the legitimate, let's just call it legitimate criticism. I think that was part of the problem yesterday was we got outside of legitimate criticism. We got into name calling, which always pisses me off. You know, look, I get it. You don't like the guy. But at least have the decency and the courtesy to talk about what your disagreements are rather than simply labeling him with names and the likes of that. That's, and that's something I've said to people all the time. And people would call me and say, you suck, Dave. Why, why are you still on the air? Um, I would tell them point blank, look, if you can do it better and cheaper than I do, <laughs> that's the key, better and cheaper, here's the general manager's office, call him, call him, tell him you can. I'm sure he'd be happy to save some money. But understand that you've got to do it cheaper than me, not just better. You've got you to understand what you're getting into. You've got to understand all of these things. And so when a politician reacts like that, rather than calling him names, when I would say to him, look, now that you've said you don't like me, what specifically is your problem? Is your problem that you don't like the backgrounds I use, the, you don't like the bumper music's John playing, you don't, you don't like, what is it you don't like? And it would always turn out to be something innocuous. Well, your voice is too nasal, or you talk too fast, or I don't like this co-host. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> no, you should have seen the emails I got about Mazzy. Oh, my Lord. People hated Mazzy. But you know what? He embraced that. He used his ego. He knew what he was. He knew what he was supposed to be. And he, let it, he just let it go off his back. He, he knew it wasn't legitimate criticism that people hated him. And he did a pretty good job of it. People didn't like John. I always thought that was fun. I thought John was great. I still think John is great. We had a conversation yesterday about some, some funny stuff. I finally got him to admit that something from Big Bang Theory was actually funny. Um, all this to say that people that sit down in front of microphones or cameras or whatever, yes, they have egos. Yes, for the most part, they've learned to deal with criticism and value some criticism more than others, and maybe that makes their egos even bigger. But at the end of the day, if your argument is simply, I don't like you, so I'm going to call you names, your argument sucks. I mean, it really does. If you can't be specific about what it is you don't like, this is what I ended up asking this guy yesterday. What, what specifically don't you like about Trump? Well, he's a Nazi. Um, no, he's not. He's not even close to being a Nazi. Well... Well, he's this. No, you perceive him as that, but where can you show me that he is? A, you're just calling names. What is your specific problem with it? What policy of his do you have a problem with? Well, then the conversation kind of took a different turn. 
when you force people to think. And all I'm saying to you is, when you're listening to shows, watching shows, whatever you're doing, it's fine not to like them. I, believe me, I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> believe me, I know that. That said, if you send me an email or a text saying, you suck, I hate you, um, that you're a fill in the blank, that email, that text, that whatever, is probably going to get ignored. If you send me something saying, hey, Dave, I have a question about why you think this, or I disagree with your take on this, but, and here's why, then we can have a conversation. And I think that's really the key to getting our politics and our, for God's sakes, our society back to a norm, back to a normal society, as opposed to just this, you suck, I hate you mentality. You're just an egotist. Of course I'm an egotist. I have a microphone, a camera, and a recording device. Yes, I'm an egotist. Doesn't mean I'm not a person. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to have a conversation with you. It just means I want to have a conversation, not a a round of name calling. Jeez, what is this, second grade? 